You ready to talk about Return to Oz? Chris, what I really want to talk about is TikTok. Sean? Sean? Hmm. Maybe I need to wind his speaking. <gasps> and there's a room full of heads? Who needs 31 heads? I barely use one. He's talking nonsense. Uh, I'll wind his thinking. Eggs are poison. See, that makes sense. I'm Chris Campa. And I'm Sean Hills. This is Circle Takes. All right. And let us begin the show. Today, 1985's Return to Oz. What a picture. <laughs> what a picture. Um, <clears throat> I think let's get some appropriates out of the way. Um, again, 1985, Return to Oz, uh, released by Walt Disney Pictures, directed and written by Walter Murch, uh, co-written by Gil Dennis and produced by Paul Maslansky. We have um, a young, might I spoil the rest of the show, uh, incredible performance by Feruza Balk as Dorothy Gale, Nicole Williamson as Dr. J.B. Worley and the Gnome King, Jean Marsh as Nurse Wilson uh, slash Mombi, Sophie Ward as Mombi 2, Fiona Victory as Mombi 3, there was a lot of Mombies, uh, Piper Laurie as uh, Aunt M, Matt Clark as Uncle Henry, Emma Ridley as, well, we're not going to get into the rest of those, um, just in case is the Scarecrow voice cast, also starring Denise Breyer as Belina, Sean Barrett as TikTok, Brian Henson as Jack Pumpkinhead, Lyle Conway as the Gump, Pons Mar as the No Messenger, and Beatrice Merch as Princess Ozma. She was uncredited. Hmm. Family connection, perhaps. A little bit of uh, nepotism. Uh. Several months after her first adventure in Oz. Dorothy runs away again, gets caught in a storm again, meets some new fantastical friends again, and must rescue the Scarecrow from a king made out of rocks. This movie is deeply disturbing. What's up with the agains, Sean? What's up with the agains? Um, <clears throat> I'm a little worried. Okay, jumping into gut reactions. I know you've seen this before. I know you've seen this as a child, uh, right? Right? Yes, this is correct. Okay, I had never seen this before. Uh, this is a joyless movie. There's no singing. There's no dancing. Mm. Look, I love the original movie, 1939. I'm guessing they didn't have the sequel rights to the MGM movie, so they had to like make it a little different. And so it just feels, it feels like a Bizarro Universe version of... The classic that we all know and love. <laughs> you seem surprised. Um, there's just there's just like so many odd choices here. Oh my god! There's a scene where Dorothy is combing a pumpkin. What is that about? Uh, I'm trying not to react, Sean. This this is uh, I'm interrupting you now. I'm sorry, but this is this. Why does this feel like it's going to be the shortest episode? It's killing me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Please. Uh, Keep an open mind. I'm trying to. It's just 
it was this for for me this movie was like deeply creepy and disturbing and it was intriguing in that respect but it was also it also was boring i don't know how it could be both of those things jesus christ but it was it just felt like it repeated so many of the same story beats of the original wizard of oz which is why my premise sounded like it did what about you? Okay. When was the last time you watched this, uh, and, and how how do you feel watching it now? Yeah, jeez. Uh, well, I'm going to take the oxygen out of the room there, Sean. <laughs> uh, man. I killed your baby. Yeah, you did. You really, uh, kill, that's what they say, right? Kill your babies, right? Uh, kill your darlings. Kill your babies, yeah. Kill your darlings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Darlings, babies. Um. Okay, well, I fucking loved it. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, we're going to have to put mine, uh, my, my, my cut reaction first when we edit this thing in post. Uh, Why? Because mine is just so full of much more joy. Uh, okay. I loved it. Uh, so, you know, released in 1985, uh, a special year uh, for multiple reasons. And... My so my brother and I stumbled across this one, and I want to say stumbled across because obviously we didn't see it in the theater, but we did see it in our youth. Like we were, um, you know, I can't remember if this was one of those random rented from the library movies because that was a thing. Mm. It's like when you didn't when the, when you didn't go to the video store, which was the first place to go because Blockbuster was kind of expensive you went to the library libraries had movies to rent and i yeah. i'm pulling this very raw from memory i i have a feeling that we may have rented this from the library and i just remember even back then uh, even as a as a youngster i feel as though i was able to notice anything that looked cheap or um what do you call it uh low budget uh probably straight to dvd but you know according to plenty of notes i have here it was released in the box office uh actually did kind of poorly uh we don't i don't want to jump into um weird history but uh but that is part of it uh gut reactions i loved it i just remember loving it as as a, a youth it was it was so different there was a, a slight feeling of betrayal maybe kind of touching on what you were saying about like there was no singing there was no this there was no that but you know this was the darker tone of films before it became cool you know people people love to associate going darker or we're going to make it darker with the batman trilogy well particularly chris nolan's batman but i yeah. mean in, in a way burton already did that with 89 and batman returns i mean george lucas did it Empire. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Plenty, plenty did. I'm in no way saying that, um, that, uh, you know, it was like the, the beginning of that. Uh, speaking of Lucas, shut up. Darkwing Duck. That's right. And his nemesis. Also, also dark. His nemesis, Negaduck, which a lot of people don't remember. I liked his little yellow suit, but <clears throat> let's not uh, derive from the point here. So, good reactions. I, <laughs> I loved it. I enjoyed it a lot. It was, um, it was just, it was, it was very innovative for its for its uh, for its new take on on the story. It was uh, like I said, it was a, a good take on dark. Um, some of the betrayals that I felt 
uh, from the story, of course, not necessarily continuing the um, the uh, 1939 Wizard of Oz uh, was sort of like refreshing. And, you know, you have to kind of like when I first saw it, I'd say it was probably 1990. Um, you know, I still have the memories from back then. And then, of course, you know, we probably taped it. Uh, somehow yeah. double cassette taped it, rented it a bunch of times. And you know, me and my brother used to watch it uh, often. I mean, yeah, it was, it, it's not like a perfect film. It, it definitely was uh, silly. And, and I even have my own complaints that we'll get into, but uh, I really liked it. So I think that sums up gut, gut reactions. Cause I've said, I really liked it like four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing that threw me off was the age difference. Like Judy Garland was like 17 when they shot wizard of Oz. And then it's like, oh, this is supposed to be a continuation, but the character seems like five years younger. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and if I may, uh, before we get into the shot list, I guess, yeah, so full confession, you know, when we had mentioned this one as the next film, I watched it that day. Wow. I watched it that day and, and I, I fell in love with the uh, with the idea of it. I was really looking forward to your reactions and, um, you know, <laughs> if, if your gut reaction was any indicator of what we're going to talk about, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see. We'll, we'll hear some objectivity in Sean. But uh, but it was really nice to revisit it in a, you know, it was on Disney Plus. Um, you know, it, it seems remastered, it, you know, updated and all that. I mean, it's, it's got its quirks, of course, but uh, I watched it that day and then I watched it again last night uh, in preparation for this. And um, that, yeah, that was my confession. I watched it the day that we discussed it. Very nice. All right. Before I, before I get into the shot list, I, I want to give a full disclaimer. Uh, last episode, we talked about. Maybe the person who hasn't seen seen the movie before doesn't do research. Uh, so I took that as literally as possible. I don't even know what the poster looks like. Uh, mm. So I'm scratching my face right now, Sean. You should every every aspect of this movie and its history. I don't know anything about. I don't know if it was based on a book. I don't. I don't know anything. So. You'll just have to let me know. All right, all right, all right. Here's the shot list. Let's not do that next time. <laughs> you can do a little. You can at least look at a poster, the one sheet. I I don't know if there is a poster, so there I don't is. Know. There is. <laughs> all right, our shot list is circle takes. Best quote: Does it hold up? Weird history. How would you reboot this? What would make this better? Who used to be a theater actor? Nostalgia factor and non-white casting. Let's jump in to circle takes. I'll go first on this one. You know, I I purposefully thought of this one a lot because uh, I was going to say, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and be, and be different about this one. Uh, in particular, because I feel like the whole first act to me is its own circle take. I, I don't have circle takes in in the tradition that we would normally have them and i'm just gonna take you know we created this thing this is this is this is my liberty (laughs) (laughs) i'm making i'm making a uh, executive decision here um you know if if it's one thing i adore about the film it's how it opens up and um how how long it waits to breathe um the whole first act is just it's it's got a nostalgia factor to it. 
not because I saw it as a kid, because I wasn't paying attention to these things as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. be, watching them as an adult is just it's 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 definitely a different experience. But you fuse that in with sort of like I have always said that the you know, the films of back then of the, of the 90s, 80s, well, just anything before, I don't know, 2005 has just it takes time to breathe. And this one does. It sets up story. It it allows allows, um, you know, characters to develop i think it allows the viewer to get into the uh the mind of the characters better and i felt that that's what we were doing in the the whole first act of dorothy it kind of reminded me of something you said on uh our last uh on house on on our last episode Mm -hmm. about uh gaslighting but when i thought about it further i was like i don't know if that's actually going on here i mean because you could almost argue that for a lot of things but it did kind of it brought that back to me and you know poor dorothy you know as you said earlier how it threw you off with her being a little younger you know let's let's add in um a little bit of weird history here and you know according to to what we found it the film is an unofficial sequel to the 1939 mgm film the wizard of oz and it is based on l frank Baum's early 20th century oz novels mainly the Marvelous Land of Oz, 1904, and Ozma of Oz, 1907. So, yeah, unofficial sequel. That's what I guessed is that they weren't able to get the, the movie sequel rights, but they were able to get the book rights. That's kind of what I guessed was going on. But there's a little bit of that in here. Yeah. Yeah. My circle take is uh, the climactic Gnome King swallowing an egg scene. <laughs> I think it's I think it's just so epic. I love the the claymation. Thank you, thank uh, you, thank you. I love the models. You know, I like that tactile stuff. I also li- I li- I also like it because they don't tell you why chickens are bad, but they at least set up that chickens are bad. This is like the the only fault I find in the 1939 film is that Dorothy dispatches of the witch using a bucket of water but never in the movie earlier is it set up like that she can melt when she touches water it's just kind of like a deus ex machina thing Mm -hmm. so i like that kind of the the way to defeat the gnome king is is kind of threaded along the way too i like that a lot um anything else on circle takes i think that's it for me okay yeah I'll cap it off by saying, I mean, the whole damn film was a circle. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it was like, I, I'm a little, I'm a little lacrimose because um, of your reaction, but it's okay. It's okay. That's what this is all for. Um, I hope that there's a rewatch in your near future. Best quote. Let's take this one away. My best quote. I, I had a few. I had two. My number one best quote is, I have always valued my lifelessness. <laughs> From TikTok? <laughs> TikTok says that. Yeah. That's how I felt watching this lifeless. Um, I, also, I also liked a couple, of, uh, a couple of lines from the Gnome King, smudge and blazes, and uh, petrified polymorphs. Yeah, that was a good one, too. A little double entendres on the... On the- letters yeah. yeah 
You mean alliteration? Sure. Yeah, thank you. Just fi- fix my <laughs> intelligence there. <laughs> Let me wind you a couple times. Ah, wind your thinking. Ah, there you go. There you uh, go. Uh, uh, um, uh, are you done with your best quotes? Yeah, I'm done here. Okay, so my two best quotes are, um, so when she's, I believe this is actually happen when, happening when, when Dorothy is falling to the, I guess, the, the Gnome King's lair. Um, he's explaining to her uh, about all his rocks, you know, all his gems. And um, he's telling he's telling her, like, everything here is mine. The emeralds. Yeah, the emeralds. He's saying, like, everything is mine. This is all mine. And then Dorothy says to him, but you have so much, you know, mm. Dorothy was calling out a lot of the bullshit of the characters in this film, uh, in particular, the Gnome King and even uh, what's her name? Bull, uh, what's the chick's name? Uh, damn, what's the one with the heads. Uh, Mombi, Mombi, yeah, yeah, Mombi's bullshit too. And then, my so you think you think Dorothy is talking about redistributing the wealth? I think, sure, you could say that, but not, not. I mean, that does that does apply. No, I think she's she's just she's she's calling out the the, the narcissism of this uh and and the greed of uh, the mm. gnome king and just people in general. I mean, she Dorothy is not this hollow empty character you know she's she's seeking in this film she's seeking answers and she just wants someone to listen to her you know Mm. aunt m you know the doctors i mean remember when she's being pulled away uh when she's strapped down in the in in the asylum at the beginning she goes this is not verbatim but she goes uh you know why why are you strapping me in and she in the the what do you the nurse ratchet type character um she says so you won't fall out uh which you know which was bullshit they they just wanted to tie her down yeah she also said do you want to go for a ride and it wasn't a very fun ride no it wasn't yeah but but when they tied her down she she said to her, you know, so you won't fall out or something. And then Dorothy goes, I made it all the way here in the horse and buggy and didn't fall out. You know, I mean, it's little, yeah. little things like that. She's calling out the adults in this. She's she's calling out the bullshit. We all, I guess, sort of live life with tiny lies in a way, you know, to either validate our own insecurities or um, <laughs> or or val- validate our need for what we think we need, you know, and yeah. this, this gnome King is doing that with his, you know, with all his, all the shit that he wants and he's sitting there smoking a pipe. He, oh, and you know, um, agreed with you, uh, major props, uh, the claymation, you know, the practical effects in this were, yeah. were what I loved, um, you know, and in an effort to, to streamline our, um, recording here, I'm trying to, keep things in their in their place i don't want to i don't want to open up tangents here but uh to, sure. to finish my my best quotes i have the last quote is uh so the first one was but you have so much you know it's fucking beautiful and then the last one or the second one was when dorothy says to tiktok towards the uh towards the well in the last act she goes um you know because tiktok needs to be he has different uh um little knobs to wind up his speech his thinking and his action, correct? Yep, that's correct. Um, and then my favorite line was when Dorothy says to, to TikTok, 
too bad they didn't make you to wind yourself up. You know, I love that. It's it's kind of like we all, you know, we're all works in progress. We all need a little help. And, uh, uh, you know, my favorite thing is, uh, you know, what they say about inventions is the the best invention is an improvement on something that's already been invented. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like when they made a, a VCRs that could um, that could double tape or a VCR that could, you know, do this or do that, you know, yeah. <laughs> VCR throwback here. But, uh, you know, TikTok, it's like he he's a great idea, a great invention. You know, this, this whole character, um, this whole character trope, I guess you could say, uh, you know, it's, it's data on Star Trek. It's it's Spock also on Star Trek. It's, um, yeah, you know, it's I mean, he he is to me. He was the Tin Man of the first film. When I saw this, I was like. Well, where are all the familiar characters? You know, that's kind of what everyone was a little saddened by. But I, I just loved how they approached it all. And um, oh, okay, you know he because I dislike how they approach that. I feel like they just kind of rehashed the same archetypes. Y- yeah. Instead of you, like the Tin Man is TikTok, the Scarecrow is Jack the Pumpkinhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. The Talking Lion is a Talking Chicken. Well, I don't know. Belina kind of, Belina kind of stood out on her own. She did her thing. She had some good she's lines. A, she's a little different. Yeah. 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 A little different. Remember but. when, uh, when they got to, uh, believe they got to Oz and they were walking around and uh, they saw the people were turned to stone. She was like, all this way, all this way for a bunch of stiffs. <laughs> I was like, Belina, Belina's got to be from Jersey or, uh, Long Island. <laughs> Something. She's got that type of personality. Yeah, the chicken puppetry was phenomenal, though. Uh, yeah, and not all of it was puppetry, right? Um, I don't think so. I yeah. think they had a live chicken. Oh, that was that was definitely a live chicken in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Even uh, yeah. the Gnome King, I felt for the, the whole beginning of his uh, introduction was uh, claymation uh, of sorts, some sort of, you know, CGI. And then he all of a sudden there was a, a live actor in there. There was, I know there was one point where it was a live actor. Yeah, Um, exactly. I mean, this is kind of a good transition into does it hold up? Because if anything, maybe those practical effects hold up really well. I think so. Um, I'll go with you there. Like the the wheelers are creepy as hell. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they were able to actually wheel around. Like that's, if that's something you found in your research i'd like to know or if they were just kind of faking it somehow but just like to have their arms hung over with the wheels on them it's just something in the the faces on their helmets like it's so deeply disturbing and it, it also made me wonder like who are these characters what's the origin story behind them like what's i think this i think this film has has good mythology i just don't think it has the right story maybe that's the issue like it has a lot of interesting elements but it just doesn't all add up for me so does it hold up i mean did it ever hold up it it doesn't seem like it did well at the box office according to what you touched on briefly and maybe you're right maybe i need to do a rewatch it was just like so different to me that i only picked up on on the things that were like 
exactly the same as the first one. And I was like, really? You're just going to do this same thing over again? (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe maybe we're right. Maybe we we do need to watch (laughs) the films that we pick twice. Okay, so uh, does it hold up for me? Yes, for what it is. Uh, I think it does for what it is. It's, um, you know, it's it's a sort of it's an overlooked uh, film that just sort of kind of like uh, kind of like Brandon Routh's Superman Returns, or I guess you could say Brian Singer's Superman Returns of 2006. Was it? Yeah, I think it was 2006. Uh-huh. Superman Returns was uh, I, I remember how much I anticipated that and just wanted to like I couldn't wait, you know, because all we had was uh, Christopher Reeve, you know, uh, Superman was 78 or 77. Um, he 78. Yeah, yeah that was. um and then finally, like finally, we're getting this this Superman, you know, and I think Hollywood, you know, does that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that's sort of like their gatekeeper mentality of, you know, there's been plenty of uh, different stories about uh, the Batman and and Spider-Man and, and, and these yep. these uh, these these comic book characters. And then the films uh, sort of either tell their own story or are loosely uh, uh, inspired by, um, you know, this particular novel of this character. And, you know, tying that to this, we, you know, we weren't, we weren't, uh, uh, when was this released? This, oh, well, I was alive when it was released, June 1985. I just wasn't doing much, much thinking or uh, talking. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And you're, yeah, your mom needed to wind you up a couple times. <laughs> oh, you're a funny guy. Uh, and uh, so, like, I guess we can't really speak to any teasers. I mean, there wasn't, you know, YouTube back then. And I think we both sort of feel the same on this. Uh, you had to be lucky to watch a, a trailer to a movie in, that was coming out in the 90s. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to have to say for that matter, the 80s as well. I mean, you know, the 80s, the, the cable television, what it wasn't what it was in the 90s. So yeah. it's like you you really had to be lucky or I guess you're looking at newspapers uh, or magazines or yep. or you'd spend a lot more time at the movie theater the cinema and you saw posters so people would just sort of had to have read about this to anticipate it and uh that's sort of all all they had to look forward to but i mean the gap between um you know 1939 of the first one and 85 of the second uh or the loose second it was it was uh it was a lot so so does it hold up uh, to cap it off? I'd say I, I, a little bit. I think so. I mean, when we decided to watch this and I had seen it uh, what, about a week ago, yeah. the last time I did a rewatch and me and my brother rewatched this a lot in the 90s. So I'd say at least seven times in, in you know, ever period. And wow we i think the last rewatch before this year was probably probably within the last 10 some somehow i probably like stumbled across it somewhere and just you know watched it um and it's always been sort of like oh yeah this is this is that one this is this is that other one and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's got a little bit of a cult following you know and i think it was it was strongly supported by Feruza Balk you know i mean she's 
child actress. She's really good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I do want to. I do want to touch on one thing you said before we move on, which is you brought up Superman Returns. You know, I'm not going to be completely dismissive because I know what this film is trying to achieve is so difficult, which is to make a sequel that's also a reboot. Nice or a point. Nice point. A what? Like Superman Returns, a reboot. What is that? It's a it's a sequel and a reboot. Uh, it's a reboot. Did you invent that? I did. I like it. <laughs> but uh, those are hard to those are so hard to do. Superman Returns, uh, The Force Awakens. You think about like you had to go from Return of the Jedi in 1983 to what was it 2015 that Force Awakens came out. And, and Force Awakens kind of suffers from a similar thing where it kind of like feels like it's hitting the same story beats, but it's like you have to kind of tell the story over again for people who haven't seen it before for the new audience. So it's like it's a tough juggling act. Terminator Genesis is kind of another one. There aren't many out there that are, you know, a sequel and a reboot. It's a difficult act. So I'll give it I'll give it credit for that. Yeah. Going off of uh, what you said, you know, you're you're I'm keeping the door open now. You know, I'm staying on the phone longer. Um, totally agree. Love the C boot. That was that's a good idea. Totally agree. And and I you know, and may I say, may I objectively bring up a point to how your viewing experience may have been tainted because <laughs> I sniff a little cynicism in the watch and I'm just I'm a little saddened, but I get it. I ultimately get it. And I think that that comes from definitely our age, uh, definitely, you know, where we are with film. I mean, at the same time, I'm also very uh, fascinated by your experience here in 2021 watching this film um, at your age because uh, because it's it's. It's just it's a different experience and we can't act like the last 15 years of film ha- have not affected how we watch things. Uh, so I'll, I'll agree with some of that. you Some of what you touched on there uh, was, you know, just sort of like they're like, oh, they're doing this. Um, and, you know, and I remember reading somewhere on Force Awakens that somebody somebody out there argued like, well, this is this is just a, 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 a what is it, like a carbon copy of A New Hope. Right. They yep. were, you know, it's it's the same damn story, you know, and and I'll I'll jump a little bit on that bandwagon with people who who make those uh, you know comparisons about films and even to this one. Um, but look how they did it. Look at the execution. You know, they, they say that uh, they say that in, in the world and like, you know, the history of the universe is only seven original stories and every other story that's ever been told is uh, sort of derived of those stories you know like um you know boy meets girl um or excuse me like there's like love uh there's um uh what's the other one uh, uh tragedy uh mm-hmm. there's uh you know like like learning and discovery yeah. uh betrayal you know those, those kinds of things and i think that this has um this this falls in, un, under that cap but uh, i i do agree with a little bit of what you're saying there and yeah i'm actually gonna talk more about this in my director's corner ah how how difficult it is to successfully make a sequel i wonder if you would have felt the same way if you saw this 10 years ago or yeah 
or had you been able to see it in the 90s? It's a little bit of a deep cut. Not many people even know that this one exists. Um, yeah, and, I also know. watched the original like a day before I watched this one. Ah, yeah, we had that, talked that, about that. That might you... have, uh, you know, influenced how I felt as well. Yeah, I think it did. I don't think you should have done that. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I chose not to. I chose not to. I remember the original enough to, you know, to be able to 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 make the, I guess, compare and contrast to it. And I knew that it was a, a bit of an unofficial sequel. But you know what? I didn't know. I did not know it was an unofficial sequel when I was young, when we were watching in the 90s. Um, you know, it only got officially validated by the research on this. I had yeah. always wondered, like, what is this? And it, it when I was young, I, I thought as a as a kid, I was like, did someone else just try to make the movie? And it just wasn't as, as good as the original. <laughs> like, I really thought that because almost nothing was similar except which we'll get into weird history. Uh, apparently the Ruby slippers were the original slippers, but uh, that's, wow. that, that is unconfirmed. Um, fuck it. Let's, let's just throw the little fact in here though. MGM was not involved in the production. Disney had to pay a large fee to use the Ruby slippers created for the 1939 film. There's hmm. your tie. Don't know if they were the same exact ones. Yeah, um, maybe same design. Ah, okay. So let's jump into weird history. So we said the films that you know, and I, I highlighted the most interesting here, but I, I there's there's quite a bit. So let me just let me just go on the highlights here. Uh, Merch suggested making another Oz film in 1980. Disney approved the project as they were due to lose the film rights to the series. This goes on. This is sort of a nice piggyback to uh, a comment that you mentioned about you were wondering whether or not they were. You said something similar to this. And it yeah, because it's, it's two different things to either have the movie sequel rights or to have the literary rights to the stories of the books. Right. And. There's the the case of if the option is expiring, too, and it, it sort of feels as though that was a running theme in the pre-production or the development of this film, because it, it's kind of sprinkled across all the notes here. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, though, MGM was not involved in the production. Disney had to pay a large fee to use the Ruby Slippers created in the, the 1939 film. Um, as we mentioned before, this is loosely based on um, Frank uh, L. Frank Baum's 20th century Oz novels, The Marvelous Land of Oz, 1904, uh-huh. and Ozma of Oz, 1907. And I think I read later in the Weird History that it sort of fuses those two storylines together. Uh, Return to Oz fell behind schedule during production and following a change of Disney management, Merch was briefly fired. Where director Merch was briefly fired, wow. which is interesting. Um, you know, it was released in theaters uh, June 21, 95. So this was a summer hit, or I guess intended to be a summer hit. Uh, it performed poorly at the box office, grossing $11.1 million in the U.S. on a $28 million budget and received mixed reviews, with critics praising the effects and performances, but criticizing the dark content and twisted visuals. 
However, it performed well outside the U.S. and has since acquired a cult following of which I am a proud member. But I think this is also where it's sort of like, you know, and I highly recommend, Sean, I think you should do a rewatch on your own. But this is also yeah. where it loses a few, you know, viewers is people, I think, are so accustomed. Like they, they hold, you know, Wizard of Oz so high in, in such high regard as to like the the beautiful, like little well, beautiful fantasy, visually beautiful fantasy film and how, you know, it goes from black and white to color uh, story that it is, uh, you know, same for me. I loved it, too. Uh, but this is kind of like a nice. Uh, uh, how can we put this? Um, sobering, <laughs> uh, you know, continuation of the story. You know, it, it's not all, uh, you know, rose colored glasses or ruby slippers uh you know afterwards so um you know and, and it throws people off but but i did i really like the darkness on this one uh okay so yeah i mean the the 80s were a dark time you know <laughs> yeah they were in many in many regards um let's see and here. was this was this walter murch's only film that he directed i mean he's he's mostly known for being an editor like he edited Apocalypse Now, Godfather One and Two. Yeah, he's, he's a heavy hitter in the editing world. Okay, so so you did do a little research, yeah, yeah. So I saw that well, too. Stuff that I knew. Yeah, uh-huh. stuff that you knew. Yes, yes. So you know, let's just let's pull his info up because I had saw I saw that as well, and it made me think, wow, like this is why, in my opinion, this film is so good because. Uh, to quote a friend of ours, you know, the the editor is the the second director or the the second writer, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's you, you have to excuse me. You have to have that. Um, uh, this is interesting right here. So uh, Walter Murch began development of Return to Oz in 1980 during a brainstorming session with Walt Disney Productions production chief Tom Wilhite. Um, with with Tom Wilhite, uh, Merch told Wilhite he was interested in making an Oz film, and Wilhite quote sort of straightened up in his chair end quote. Hmm. Uh, I just I like that note right there because it it's if that was if this came from an interview with Merch, it's I I can totally see it you know and yeah. you know studio execs are often you know sort of heralded as or or uh, you know considered suits as they say and in my personal experience, you know, I don't know how much storytelling experience they really have. <laughs> so <laughs> that being said, I, you know, I think he probably stood up in his chair a little bit because, uh, you know, dollar signs were tickling his ass, you know, and he probably thought that this was like, Oh, wait, wait, what? You know? So yep. I could see that. I mean, I would have straightened up in my chair as well. Let's see here. We got some more. Uh, notes that were highlighted so this is this, i like this one right here george lucas guaranteed that he would step in as replacement if any further problems emerged from uh, the production of the film yeah i noticed him on the special thanks in the credits yeah i did not know that Mertz was fired or, or threatened with firing it's yeah. it's funny because on the original wizard of oz uh, two directors were fired, so they went they went through three directors to make that movie. So there's there's something there's something with adapting this series of books that has kind of a cursed aspect to it. I, I could agree with that. Yeah, 
Yeah, the uh, the the Lucas note that I just read. I guess I should have read this one first. Uh, you know, once production uh, began, or excuse me, shooting principal photography began, uh, merch began to fall behind schedule, and there was further pressure from the studio. Five weeks into production, Disney was unhappy with the footage and fired merch. So that's where the brief firing came from. High profile filmmakers, including George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola supported merch in discussions with the studio and merch was reinstated and finished the film. And then that's where the Lucas note would have uh, came in that he would step in if there was any problems, uh, which is awesome. You know, the directors supporting directors, storytellers right there. And you know, he's Lucas is coming off of his star Wars clout. Um, and he can, he can do such a thing. Yep. Uh, the Ruby slippers were created by MGM specifically for the 1939 film to replace the silver shoes of the original stories. And as the slippers remained MGM's intellectual property, a fee was paid. Uh, so I highlighted that note because I didn't know that they were originally silver slippers. Did you know that? I did not know that. But yeah. it, it kind of, uh, I guess it makes sense. Probably they wanted to show off the Technicolor, you know, like in a black and white movie, you can have silver slippers and they're not that impressive. But to, to show off the uh, saturation of the ruby slippers, I guess maybe that was some thinking, I don't know, behind the original idea. I agree. I agree. Move, uh, moving along, uh, when interviewed in 2020, director and animator Doug Aberle, Aberle, uh, sorry for the pronunciation there, explained the process involved in animating the Gnome King and other characters with clay, including the technical difficulties encountered. Each section, uh, such as the outside rocks with faces on, was allocated to an animator. Uh, gnome king scenes in in the throne room were animated progressively yeah you could kind of see that uh that they were animated progressively i I've, at least i felt i felt that it felt like you could see <laughs> it, even though it says here that principal photography principal photography began february 84 it wrapped in october 84 and then obviously you have the release in 85 yeah. it did feel as though a lot Actually, that is quite a bit of time for a film. And even back then, it, maybe that was like about about the average. You know, growing up, I'd always wonder, like, when did they actually shoot the film? I'd always wondered that. And, right. you know, some films are, it could be argued that an average time of, of photography is three months, you know. But back then, it was, uh, it was a lot more. Uh, so... So, yeah, that brings up quite a few questions there. Um, let's see here. What else? Moving on, moving on. The Emerald City scenes towards the end of the film had to be fully reshot as the character of Ozma was originally dressed in a gold lace dress, which was deemed unsuitable during post-productions. The scenes Unsuitable? Were... <laughs> wow. Why? Yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, actually, I, I have a feeling I'll tell you in a moment. Uh, the scenes were reshot with the actress wearing a white and green dress. At one point during filming these scenes, bulk collapsed due to the high onset temperature for Roosevelt. I did read that quite a bit as there was there was a that the, there was fainting <laughs> or, or, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that can happen. Hot lights. Yeah, that's something people don't consider hot lights and also. Uh, when you're filming, you can't be running fans and air conditioners because that ruins the sound. So, Mombi had all the heads in that room, and when yeah. she took off the head and she was carrying it to put on the the new head, you you could sort of see where the green screen was 
probably uh, I don't know what what you would want to call the effect, but kind of like when a meteorologist can't wear green on a green screen because then they're 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 like they have no body, you know, yep. you have to watch what you wear against the uh, the chroma key. Yeah. Um, uh, but I was going to say is it, it looked pretty good for the time so you know back to does it hold up yeah i think for for when it was released it definitely holds up i guess i was a, a little i was a little surprised it was a theatrical release mm-hmm. something something about it kind of felt like direct to vhs i don't know yeah i, and I don't i don't mean that in you know like oh look how terrible the production was but there's just uh yeah, something about it kind of felt direct to VHS or like a Disney Channel special movie, something like that. Fully agree with you. Oh, did you see this? Uh, they had a cast of over 30 chickens. I did not see that. <laughs> I did not see that. Feruza Balk pra- described the chickens as really sweet and praised their acting ability. <laughs> How old was she when she was quoted on that? She was 11. This was from an interview in 1985. Well, there you go. It's from a, an interview titled Feruza Balk, the new Dorothy is a serious minded 11 year old. She is pretty serious minded, though. I like her. Here's a nice, fun, weird history fact. This is very extra. Uh, the first film to use the Walt Disney Pictures logo with the rainbow going over the blue castle. Hmm. Hmm. It is. Hmm. Uh, and while I, I have to uh, spoil your hope for any interesting facts on the wheelers, uh, I, which I don't have. I do have this one. Uh, gymnast Michael Sundin, Sundin stood upside down with legs bent and backwards inside TikTok's body to move the legs upside down with legs bent and backwards. Also, it was like a contortionist inside of mm-hmm. that was something that was one of the effects that I that kind of that kind of surprised me, blew me away a little bit to watch TikTok walking and to mm-hmm. and to know like there's no CGI involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, it was. Um... You know, they they put a little person inside of uh, R2-D2 and always blows me away when I remember that C-3PO has a body inside of him. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, those there's actors in there. Shout out to the uh, to the unsung heroes there. Directorial debut of Walter Murch. Oh, according to this, as of 2015, it remains the only film he ever directed. Well, let's fact check that one real quick. Holy shit. Uh, director two credits star wars the clone wars t one episode of the clone wars and return to oz holy shit yeah i wonder if he's uh you know in quote unquote director's jail or or if it's just something by choice like this feels like a c-boot to me too because i feel like they wanted to make more of these there's something about it that kind of leaves it open-ended at the end you know, she's got this communication with Ozma, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it kind of feels like they wanted to reboot the series and make more Dorothy movies. And maybe they would have if, if it had been successful at the box office. I don't know. And isn't that a shame how it all sort of just falls on that sometimes? 
you can't that's that's how it is most of the time yeah yeah you can't throw uh you can't throw money uh there's a saying out there you can't throw good money after bad money or some shit like that but yeah maybe that applies here look at this uh walter merch never intended for this film to be viewed as a direct sequel to the wizard of oz rather he intended it as a partial sequel with some direct references the ruby slippers actors playing characters in oz and the real world but in closer similarity to the oz novels um the misconception that the film was ever meant to emulate the mgm musical probably contributed to its failure at the box office yeah i agree you take something and you just you forget that it's part of something bigger uh you know there's always a great great scene in a movie a great circle take a great chapter in a book you know and then there's the rest of the story right yep um like how they they ruined the old testament by making that new testament <laughs> totally oh, different oh sean you're leave that one in there uh, <laughs> here's a uh here's a wheeler fact for you let's see where is it where yeah is give that? me give me all the wheeler facts you've got that's our yeah. new shot Wheeler ah, facts. Here, here we go. <laughs> Pons Mar. Just take a moment to appreciate that name. Pons Mar, who plays the lead wheeler, one of the asylum orderlies, and provides the voice of the gnome messenger, the multi-talented Pons Mar, also served as a movement coach on the film, working to develop the postures and movements of the scarecrow and Jack Pumpkinhead. Uh, so there you go. There's your there's your wheeler uh fact right there hmm. this is a weird history fact i don't even know how accurate this is it, it says cartoonist tim burton but wait isn't that how he started out he started in animation right yep. yep yeah he did okay cartoonist dumb me sorry cartoonist tim burton has acknowledged jack pumpkinhead as an inspiration for the iconic character jack skellington in the nightmare before christmas I see that. Yep, for sure. I see that 100%. Um, oh, and here is an interesting factor here. Originally, the Scarecrow, Tin Woodsman, and Cowardly Lion were to have more prominent roles in the film. However, budget cuts forced their appearances to be reduced to mere cameos. Yeah, that was... Probably for the better. Yeah, that was another thing that confused me is why the Scarecrow wasn't turned to stone. And I mm -hmm. think they like say something like, oh, well, because he isn't alive. But I'm like, oh, so that the person made out of tin is alive. <laughs> yeah. But it makes sense. Budget cuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, here's a fun one. Christopher Lloyd and Tim Curry were considered to play the Gnome King, uh, while Louise Fletcher, Terry Garr and Mary Steenburgen were considered to play Princess Mombi. Uh, Disney regular of the 70s, Don Knotts, was considered to, to voice Belina. And former Disney wow. regular of the 60s, Dick Van Dyke, was considered to voice either Jack Pumpkinhead or the Scarecrow. Would have been a whole another film uh, with any of those changes. Yeah, maybe that was another reason for the, the failure of the film, is it, at least to my knowledge, even at the time, it didn't feel like they had any big names to draw people to the theater. Yeah. I mean, I know Piper Laurie who plays Aunt M, but I know her from Twin Peaks, which wouldn't come out until seven years later. So, mm -hmm. or no, I guess maybe like five years later, but still. Yeah. And, and shout out to, um, shout out to all the actors on this one. I mean, that's something you got on this film was a really good, 
really good performances uh, regardless you know like i i was not really familiar with any of the other actors um uh or, you know aside from like the research that you do later but i didn't know them outside of the film and they did great i think they did really good on this one you know they took it they took it seriously which is which is great you know i really liked the oh who apparently pons mar right was yeah. uh the the face in the rock remember when dorothy lands in oz and that rock is sort of like watching her and then it goes yeah, to another so rock creepy. Yeah. and then it goes to the uh to the to the master the gnome king and says uh she has a chicken with her <laughs> you know i know i love i love all yeah. those sequences where it's yeah. like the uh the scary red light on the rock talking to the gnome king you didn't mention our friends at the christian magazine by the way you gotta you gotta do that they didn't write a review of this (laughs) that's the one point of research i looked at our friends at christian movie guide had nothing to say about this movie uh so i i take that as a as a firm rejection of this story and uh it's uh demonological implications for the world demonological (laughs) okay okay so that's that how would you reboot this so this week this question for me also kind of folds into what would make this better because if i were to reboot this you know, I'd want I'd also want to make it better because I think it does kind of suffer from some of some of what, you know, The Force Awakens is accused of, of kind of repeating character archetypes or story beats. I think it would have been interesting if we've seen Dorothy go to Oz. What if Oz comes to Dorothy? <laughs> what if what if let's say Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> yeah, let's say like the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion and the Tin Man are holding a council to discuss the crimes of the Gnome King and the Gnome King is before them in court or something like that, wherever the uh, Emerald City Courthouse is. And then there's a twister in Oz and the courthouse gets brought to uh, Kansas. And then... The Gnome King is is released into Kansas and can do whatever he wants. And then they have to go and uh, take care of that. Maybe he kidnaps Aunt M. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just uh, one of the big things at the end of this movie is that Dorothy seems so happy to be with the Scarecrow and, and to be with her new friends. It almost didn't make sense when she's like, I need to go home. It makes sense in the the original Wizard of Oz to me because wait 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 I thought she I thought she was reluctant to go home and I thought it was Ozma in this that said you need to go home was that not it or... I don't think so okay my bad yeah like in the in the original movie like she sees Aunt M in like a mirror or something and she realizes that she has to go back and she wants to go home. Well, and they put the mirror back in this at the end with uh, Ozma's looking at her in the mirror. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be a reason why she wants to go home because she seems to be so poorly treated in Kansas. By her aunt and uncle. By everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you seen Flight of the Navigator? Nope. Okay. 
should watch that. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Were you finished with your. Yeah. So, I mean, that was that's like another consideration is you don't want your sequel to just have the same like character arc as the one before it, which is like, oh, I need to appreciate what I have at home. There's no place like home. It kind of like does the same thing over again in that respect. Mm. So, so there needs to be there needs to be something different. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think it, it definitely comes across that I'm, you know, defending this movie a lot. Uh, but it, it, I guess it, it was challenging to sort of disconnect uh, the adoration for it to look at it uh, on a you know a critical level, and you know I I did have issue with it. I, I will so I can get it out of the way. I did feel as though it lost its steam when they actually finally met the Gnome King. That's where I felt like a, a bit of trimming mm. could have could have happened because, uh, and just the whole you know the equivalent of storm the castle for the characters. Yep. Um, it just it started to lo- sort of lose its magic. And I, I didn't like Jack Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Hell, no, I didn't, I didn't like, either. Yeah, That's I, like, if I were to reboot this <laughs> and it still had to be, you know, be that Dorothy is sent back to Oz, I would just have, you know, maybe the Scarecrow is captured, but it's just the, the lion and the Tin Man who help her find uh, the Scarecrow. And maybe Belina can be there too, but... We don't we don't need to like redo the same character archetypes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you really hung up on characters. Uh I'll I'll I guess I'll I'll piggyback off of that a little bit here. So with how would I reboot this for me? I would I would actually I would include what they lacked, uh which was um you know that 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 weird history we read, where they were supposed to have more prominent roles—the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, and, and Scarecrow. I yeah. would sort of, I would, if if this film equals their participation at a level of twenty-five percent, I would increase it to fit to forty percent. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I feel like we need a little bit of that handoff from these past characters to let this film be its own movie, to let it be its own story. And, uh, you know, as much as I enjoy the differences that this film shows on, on what they did with these characters, some of it was a little, it it could be a little polarizing. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, I I didn't like Jack. I didn't like the Scarecrow either. The the way they presented these characters. TikTok was uh, fun. TikTok was uh, so original, I think, actually. And he was, you know, like, let's let's think about the the 39 film for a moment. I mean, it was it's a fucking musical with these, you know, um, Dr. Seussian <laughs> um, sort of like lessons about life. And it's it's a very campy film. It's very, you know, yeah. geared at children. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's it's not. It's definitely a, a for children, I guess you could well, say. It's a, it, it's a different it's a whole different vibe. I mean, this is for supposed to be for children, too. But this mm-hmm. is but like you said, like tonally, it's like. Batman 66 versus BVS and this is BVS like 
it's got it's got to be dark and and somber. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I would reboot this movie and just make it about the Wheelers. I think the Wheelers are my favorite thing. Jesus, <laughs> I'll I'll go with you on on them being. Uh, you know, they were just people. I mean, from what it looked like, they were just actors on half stilts and rollerblades or one wheeled rollerblades, yeah. and they were bent over the whole time, which was, you know, it was it's pretty jarring. It makes you wonder, like, are you deformed? Like, did some did someone do this to you? Are you, you know, uh, what were the what were the characters in the original? Um, those flying monkeys. Flying monkeys. Yeah. They yeah, that's named, like the they? other thing. It's like everything has like a parallel yeah yeah and they don't it, like they don't address it really dorothy's yeah. maybe they sh- yeah maybe they need to like address it where dorothy's like everything seems similar Off. but different you know yeah, but i like that i like that did you you didn't think there was like a dark beauty of when she saw the yellow brick road and it's all um like broken all torn up and stuff yeah yeah did you kind of like that i liked it a lot it's uh, like that Country song, God Bless the Broken Road. Sorry, I don't know that one. That's all right. Um, um, I mean, another thing I was disappointed by is like, yes, the original is campy, but you know what every character wants. Mm-hmm. There's kind of an arc for the characters. Like we know Dorothy wants to get home. We know the Scarecrow wants a brain. We know the Tin Man wants a heart. We know that the Cowardly Lion wants courage. Like that's expressed and you see them like go through the arc of realizing they have those abilities or, uh, or you know, getting home. Uh, I don't I don't know what the you know, I don't know what Jack wants in this other than I guess to like find his mom. But it's not really clear mm-hmm. as to who his mom is. So it's hard to like identify with that as a viewer. Mm hmm. It's just kind of like confusing. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I gotta say, not you know, not to criticize art. I, I found it a little bizarre that he wanted to call Dorothy mom. I mean, she accepted. She was nice. Dorothy's definitely like this great. Well, for Rosa Balks, Dorothy is this great, like down for whatever character. You know, it's, yeah, whatever. <laughs> call yeah. me mom. Yeah, yeah, that was just a little bizarre. Uh, but back back to the how I would reboot it, you know, some of those choices, like for example, uh, you know, when, when we met going back to when I first saw, when we met TikTok, I thought for a second, I was like, Oh, so that's how they're doing the tin man. Like this is tin man. You know, as a kid, I didn't pay attention. I didn't, I did, did not like literally pay attention and, and hear that this character was a completely different character. Mm. Um, so then when the tin man is seen later, it's like, Oh, you know, I didn't know what the word reimagining was. And that's that's definitely what what I would have thought is like they reimagined this whole thing. Yeah. You know, uh, wasn't this scarecrow was technically played probably by a human actor. I mean, they, they didn't CGI any of that, but it was uh, but he was uh, tall and um, the eyes uh, don't move. Creepy. Yeah, the eyes don't move. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. You're right. It's creepy. And, and Tin Man was very even more solid than he really is right <laughs> he, yeah kind of cartoonish looking yeah and the lion was a fucking i mean it was a puppet but it was they made it an animal yeah made it like, like a they, real lion yeah a real lion did i don't even remember if he had lions but um you know i don't know i think there's a there's a universe where well 
there is a universe we're in it that 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 this movie is okay because <laughs> it was done it was done it was accepted um you know they replaced the main characters of the first with three new characters um the chicken was a a a, a fun success in a way uh belina yeah. she was a she kind of kept dorothy uh, you know she like was she was a sobering reminder of everything else uh, she kind of kept her grounded and I kind of liked that Dorothy was carrying her around uh, something about that just sort of worked. Yeah. Um, uh, although I don't remember if it was explained why the chickens were so, uh, not liked in, in this, uh, I forget. Yeah, again, well, their eggs is, are poison. That's right. That's right. Right. The, the eggs are poison. But like, I think, I think to successfully reboot this, they should have rebooted the first movie first. Hmm. Hmm. And like done the new creepy take on the original with like these different characters thrown in. Because if you don't reboot the first part of a series the way that Batman always does, the way that Spider-Man always does, if you just like jump into a sequel, of course, people are going to see it as a sequel. No matter how many times you say like, oh, I don't mean for it to be a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't meant to continue the 1939 movie. Well, it's like, then you should have rebooted the first one first. Um, and I, I mean, I guess, could it be argued by some that we, you know, we do have the, um, the Sidney Lumet, uh, version, which the, the whiz, the Michael Jackson, Diana Ross. Yeah. It could be said that, uh, the whiz, the Sidney, Sidney Lumet's the whiz, um, in the seventies, when I don't remember exactly when it came out was, uh, uh, you know, that was a. That was a different take also on Wizard of Oz. That was a reboot for sure. Yeah. And now nobody really talks about the uh, Sam Raimi. um, What's it called? Just Oz? Oh, no. The Great and Powerful Oz. I believe that's what it's called. Nobody really talks about that one. I. uh, Oh, the newer ones? Well, there's only the one. I thought they made multiple. No. Let's see here. Uh. 2013, Sam Raimi. Holy shit. David Lindsay a bear wrote it. I didn't know that. He also it was in a play that he wrote called Kimberly Akimbo. Huh. Uh yeah. Yeah, so I really liked Oz the Great and Powerful. Um the, yeah, I didn't see that, that one. Oh man. So Is it a reboot? Tr- well, let's see what it is. It's a Based on the early 20s, it's set 20 years before the events of the original 1900 novel. The film is a spiritual prequel to the 1939. Mm. So there you go. So, I mean, can it be said that there's never been an official sequel to the original? Maybe that's what needs to be done. Maybe that's what the reboot should be, is an official sequel. And I'd want to take some elements of uh, this and and throw them in there i don't i don't think again i mean i'm a fan of this one i i don't think that this was too bad and uh, i do like i do like where the darkness went uh the score is great the um there's great little themes for for dorothy at the beginning i mean she's staring at a window hmm. you know looking at the stars it's um you know aunt m and and the uncle forget the guy's name he's you know they're just living this very simple you know, Kansas life. Um, 
they got to ride a horse and buggy into town. I mean, they saw life differently. I mean, you saw that doctor that wanted to basically lobotomize her in a way with uh, with uh, this, these electronics. They wanted to, to fry her brain. It's ridiculous. And, and it's something about how they captured that was just really cool. Dorothy, you asked earlier, like, well, I think you mentioned something about like, it's not really clear what these characters want. But I, I think Dorothy in this wanted to be heard she wanted to be you know listened to at least maybe not they didn't have to believe every single word she heard but dorothy was just looking for answers and it's kind of funny how they chose to take that route off of what happened and it ties in how you were a little bit um thrown off as was i when yeah. i first saw it at her age because if, if this is a loose sequel why is she younger you know um but it, it, that kind of that kind of forgives itself as we go on it's not um uh it's not too uh, it doesn't get in the way of the story too much anymore we just kind of go with it i mean she's not going to age dramatically hell even judy i don't to this day i don't know how old judy garland's dorothy was supposed to be she looks like a a young adult in um in in wizard of oz to me she doesn't look like a teenager for sure um, but maybe that's because I was a kid. Um, uh, so yeah. Well, they, so, they also like put her in a binder, a chest binder. What is that? It's a thing that people use to like minimize the appearance of their breasts. I did not know that about that film. Yeah. No idea. Um, so maybe they wanted to make her look more youthful. Huh. They also like gave her tons of like diet pills and all sorts of she was like she went through all kinds of abuse on that set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The director and actors would slap her. Oh my god. Just nonsense stuff. Talk about weird history. Horrible stuff. Oh, well, sorry Judy Garland. Um that's awful. So uh yeah, how how would I reboot this to cap it off? Um I would just say that I agree with you. We would need to see a reboot of the original and then let this be the sequel. But it had it would have to have been rebooted, you know, around the same time. So we would need sort of like a trilogy already pre-established of what we're gonna do, and here's how we're gonna do it. And here's part one and two, you guys. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there you go. What would make this better? Normally I would be all aboard on a little bit more explanation but i think this had plenty of setup uh but i'll 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 get into my gripes what would make this better <sighs> let's go with the other costume designer <laughs> whoever the alternate choice was um I, I guess this would definitely fall under under production design right or 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 the the prop master the the, the costume designer yeah like i said i don't like well, no, I mean, we got to go back to uh, who who wrote this again? Uh, it was uh, Walter Merch. Merch and Gil Dennis. Yeah, Gil. Or maybe Gil Denis. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I would. It's we don't know. Uh, I didn't see any sort of BTS on this uh, or making of featurette of like if if the characters came out the way that they had originally imagined. You know, sometimes you are you talking about character design or because you said costume design. Well, yeah, I mean both. Like I, I just have issue with the appearance of Jack Pumpkinhead and uh, the Scarecrow. You know, it's funny is the Tin Man. 
even though these are not prominent, well, Tin Man is Carly Lion are we're not prominent characters. I mean, hell, yeah. Scarecrow doesn't come in until much later. I yeah, I agree with you. Those eyes are fucking creepy. I don't like them. It was just and it and it cheapened the character, sort of. It's like why you know like you didn't have to do that you know even tiktok's eyes have more character than, than those characters tiktok's eyes are like nice pretty emerald marble yeah. colored you know i would have redesigned uh some of the characters um i just they were just a little creepy i mean you could kind of tell this was the um you know like the front of any movie making magazine at the time seems as though it was like what can we do with puppetry? You know, what can we do with uh, with practical effects? I mean, we got the, the moose, you know, we got the, the yeah. chicken. We got the 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 wheelers where nothing was animatronic about them. You know, we got the claymation, you know, a lot of like early starts with uh, practical effects right there with the, the claymation or the whatever mation you want to call that with the rock and and the gnome king. Uh, the Gnome King worked, you know, some of these things worked, but some, some of them didn't. Even Mombi with all the heads, that was pretty original. I thought I liked the idea of that. Although, I mean, and, and the production design was beautiful in terms of like the sets. I mean, Mombi's house, well, that was beautiful. <laughs> Mirrors and tall ceilings and all kinds of stuff. Everywhere. I know, it was yeah. gorgeous. Um, you know, but I, I do. Uh, uh, well, let's focus on what would make this better. So maybe a little bit more explanation within the setup and oh eh, yeah for me it would have been a little editing around uh the final act like i said the the whole after they escaped mombi's castle it just felt as though we lost a little steam somewhere for me and i i mean i found myself sort of not paying attention to be frank but um you know it doesn't it's, it's it's not a deal breaker for me. I was still there. Mm. Even the end was pretty. The end was the end wrapped up really nicely, and I and I liked even when she got back to Kansas. She was, you know, she was found. She was left in yeah. the woods, and she was found, and she reunited with her family. And it was very sort of quiet, kind of kind of like a, a less is more with the dialogue on her family. Everything just went right back to normal, and she sees uh, Ozma. She sees Ozma in the mirror. And yep, she sees the nurse. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why the nurse was arrested. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because they said the the building caught fire due to lightning. And uh, and then we see the nurse getting taken away in the back of a paddy wagon. That's right. It it makes no sense to me because it it can't be about the electroshock therapy. I'm sure that was completely legal at the time. So maybe there was like a a loose end that they, they didn't think about. I don't know why she was being carted away. No. Justice for Dorothy. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, all right. How about how about you? What would make this better? Uh, songs. Mm. I really I really did miss the musical aspect. And thinking about uh, comparables like 1986's Labyrinth, that has a dark vibe. It has the Henson connection, but it also has songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have, you know, like I said, I think that would have brought more joy into it. I don't know. While I was watching this, I was trying to uh, to do like a sort of a, a queer interpretation of it because you know how much the original is is hailed as like having these gay themes or like you know people used used to call themselves friends of Dorothy to say that they were gay. Uh, well, they did that in My Fellow Americans. Did you see that? Uh huh. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, people still do it to this day, but, you know, yeah. thankfully, they don't have to use as much coded language anymore. But, uh, okay. yeah, there's there's something, I don't know, make it more gay. Maybe that's what I'm... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You really you're really tied up into the characters. I, I I'm I think I'm more on plot for this one, but I I can I don't disagree with you for sure. Yeah, with plot it's like it feels like the maybe the first act and the setup is like very similar plot wise to the first one. Mm-hmm. Like I said in the premise, like Dorothy is running away and she gets caught up in a storm and now she has to go on a journey. Wait, she need it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, she yeah, she gets caught up in a storm. But at least it is, you know, it is different that she gets caught in a flood. She's in a creek. It's a lightning storm. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I don't know. Just uh, that could have made That's how you get to Oz, Sean. You gotta you gotta get wet in the rain. You gotta drown or you gotta yeah, you gotta get caught up in some natural disaster. Yeah, you need a natural disaster. So maybe okay, maybe okay. needed to be like a, a landslide or something. You know, I just, <laughs> I just wanted it to be a little different, a little different. Oh, that's man. I yeah, I'm t- I'm taken aback because I thought it was a lot of different. Uh, I mean, it, it heavily is the the film. Uh, Want to move forward or any closing thoughts on that? This movie was not what I expected. Hmm. I knew it was supposed to be dark or like different, but I don't know. It was it was the same in ways I didn't want it to be the same, and it was different in ways I didn't expect. Who used to be a theater actor? You know, I think everyone. <laughs> That's what uh, I have wrote down. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's got d- that vibe to it. Except for Ruza, but you know, like like we like you and I will often um uh, discuss it can either it can make you or break you as a film actor i think um it's you know obviously the i don't want to say obviously because we we did not whether we should or shouldn't research this is is up for discussion but mm. i think there's better entertainment on our speculation so i i would argue that obviously the uh the nurse ratchet type character i forget what what isn't she mombi also is yep. she basically she's mombi, mombi yeah. too yeah her character that that actress definitely uh comes across as uh, a theater actress uh but she's good though the wheelers were definitely theater actors i mean you can't like that that's that's theater is very animated those are very animated characters i think even the doctor you know it comes across as it used to be a theater actor uh yeah i think practically uh everyone except the children here Hmm. My opinion. You were you were right. Uh, I'm reading that Balk took her first acting course in the summer of 1983, where she was taught how to look at a camera and not be shy. Hmm. So it, it seems like even in '83, when she was like I don't know eight or nine, it was all it was all film oriented. It wasn't wasn't theater from the beginning. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, yeah and she was young. You know, she was young at the time. She was obviously young. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh huh, this is interesting. If you if you pull up IMDb, which I have up, uh the the guy who played TikTok, the picture of the actor, it's Tim Rose as TikTok, and you know what the his picture is? It's that fish character from Star Wars. That's <laughs> that's his what's his name? Uh what? General the, the one with Admiral Akbar? 
Yeah, I think yeah, pretty he, sure he that's played him. that character too. It's that's his photo on IMDb. That's kind of it's a trap. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Uh, oh, holy crap, Bellino was voiced by a man. Could have sworn that was a woman. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Uh, oh, and Deep Roy was the Tin Man. Deep Roy was in Neverending Story and Star Trek and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. Wow. Holy crap. Fun, fun, fun. Well, a little bit more research could be done. Uh, yeah, I think they were all theater actors except the children. I'm with you on that. Nostalgia factor. This one's on you, I think. Okay. I mean, I I have, I guess I could, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for the original Wizard of Oz. And whether that tainted my view of this, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I think we can, we can, I think that's, that's uh, available to discuss. Um, you know, nostalgia factor, uh, as mentioned earlier, and I saw this a bunch as a kid. It was just sort of this, this sort of like this weird other movie and it was fun. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot, even watching it, you know, here's an adult quite a few years later. It's, um, it's, it's fun to put on, but I can't sit through the whole thing. I will say that, you know, I actually watched it twice in preparation for this. The rewatch was more like with notes on the second round mm. and uh, just to, to actually pick up in that one act that I, that I kind of tuned out on, uh, towards the end. Um, I don't know what we want to get to on nostalgia factor. I mean, I enjoyed it as a kid. I still enjoy it uh, a bit as an adult. I would recommend it to people and it's, it, it you know, I, I go with the notes on the internet. It has a cult following and I'm a member of that cult. Okay. Yeah. This is a, it ain't your grandpappy's wizard of Oz. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think you're a bit scarred by it. I think you need to do another rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Non-white casting. Like you said earlier, the Wiz does exist. Would have been interesting to do. Because the Wiz started as a stage musical. Then we had the movie adaptation, I believe. Mm. It'd be interesting to see this story of this movie play out. With the same cast or with a similar cast? Because isn't it uh, Diana Ross playing Dorothy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, we do have the Wiz. Uh, but to keep it within this film, uh, it's kind. Of, it's a little tough to say. I mean, I didn't know until just a few moments ago that Deep Roy was the... Um, <laughs> who do you play? The Tin Man. <laughs> uh, the Tin Man. Yeah, but at the same time, see, it's like we don't... We don't, I guess it's difficult to comment on whether or not the diversity, uh, if diversity is a factor when they're playing somebody in heavy makeup or even just a voiceover. I mean, opportunity wise, uh, it's, they, they're there, they have a seat at the table. Um, exposure wise, I mean, you know, it, I'm not saying that this is what I'm about to say, but yeah. Uh, an example of opportunity wise, I guess you could say would be the Jar Jar Binks character in Star Wars. Mm. Uh, I hated that character. And I think that's an example of like, uh, okay, you chose somebody (laughs) who's non-white, but you make it the one character nobody can see. And I take issue with that. And um, 
just you know yeah the, and you make it like a stereotype exactly they, and yes ki- they kind of like maybe they tried to excuse it by being like oh we're doing this stereotype but we have a black actor performing it so it's okay i don't yeah. know it's like yeah like read the fucking room type of thing yeah, yeah. and it's it's so tone deaf and just bad um but not, again again we don't want to yeah we're not saying that that was up that that was in this i don't think yeah i don't think that I was mean, the any Man was in that, this for like 20 seconds so exactly yeah and we don't know who was inside of the lion <laughs> you know we don't know who was inside well we do know i mean we have it all right here but <laughs> but uh yeah let me just do a quick cursory view here so it's it's funny how uh, like i said earlier tim rose's tiktok his picture on imdb is that fish character from star wars so i don't even know what this guy looks like let's see if i can find him uh every picture oh there he is he's a white guy okay wow all his pictures were someone else <laughs> hmm. um but okay so you know he was a white guy but yeah, that's that let's see here and just on the cursory view of of uh, Return to Oz, that's about it as far as diversity goes. Just Deep Roy um, as the, the Tin Man and Justin Case. What a great name as the Scarecrow. <laughs> uh, uh, Stuart Harvey Wilson as Jack Pumpkinhead doesn't have a photo. And actually... This is weird. So that guy. Yeah, but actually, it's Brian Henson who's doing the voice of Jack Pumpkinhead. Jim Henson's son. Oh. It was Henson and Stuart LaRange who both portrayed Jack the Pumpkinhead. So it, it required two puppeteers. Oh. Were they diverse? Well, I think Brian Henson is white, as far as I know. It says here Stuart Harvey Wilson is Jack. Oh, wait, you're talking about Scarecrow, right? Jack Pumpkin. Pumpkinhead. No, I'm talking about Jack Pumpkinhead. Well, it says here is it was the actor was Stuart Harvey Wilson, who is... I don't know. Oh, Stuart Harvey Wilson, according to this photo, he was also in The Fifth Element, is a black actor. So there's some diversity. But like we were saying earlier... Don't see him in anything else. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and also, Belina's puppeteer was Mac Wilson, but Belina's voice was Denise Breyer. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, but uh, you know, I believe that we, uh, the thing that inspired this shot yeah. was, um, uh, how would we reboot? it with a diverse cast uh or sure what our thoughts would be there so do you have any like on maybe who could have been who back then for the time and kind of following in the in the tradition of like uh david bowie appearing in in labyrinth mm-hmm. obviously michael jackson was in the whiz mm-hmm. it would have been it would have been cool to have prince <laughs> play a role Maybe it's like the, the head wheeler or something. I don't know. I could see Prince more so in like maybe in the castle with uh, Ozma doing something like I don't like the. Oh, the, maybe. In, the, yeah. Maybe it's like Prince Mombi. Yeah. And it's Prince taking off different heads. Yeah, I could see that. That could have been cool. I like that. I like that a lot. That's really good. I think you you take the cake with that one. 
Yeah. I don't know who 1985 young black actresses. I don't know. I don't know if any come to mind for that time period for me. Obviously, I wasn't around. We're talking about child actresses. Yep. To play Dorothy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, Mm. I got nothing. I got nothing there. And even then, I mean, who? Yeah, you really got to wonder, like, who who basically survived their their adult um, acting career? Well, uh, yeah, we've talked about this before that like child actors leading movies of the 80s, it usually was a white kid. Mm hmm. So it's it's so hard to find a point of reference, even yeah. to, even to like bridge across TV, because TV nineteen eighty five, what did we have out at the time? Cosby Show, was that out by eighty five? I think it, I think Cosby was a little bit after eighty five, but but a young Malcolm Jamal Warner could have had some role here. I mean, it's it's also kind of cool that okay, Cosby you know, Show debuted eighty four. Wow. <laughs> I was way off. Um, well, I did not know that. Uh, well, you know, I guess we could have had, well, no, the, the Family Matters cast was probably way too young to take part in this at the time, right? Yep. Some of them. Or maybe. <laughs> I, I could see Reginald Bell Johnson somewhere in this. <laughs> maybe even his TikTok. Maybe uh, as, yeah, maybe as TikTok. Yeah, that yeah, could be good. I could, I could see that TikTok here. TikTok voice. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I want to tie this into uh, shot five of how how would we reboot this? I almost now want to see a fully rebooted version of this exact film. No, maybe not. Yeah, remake a remake of this exact film with a more diverse cast. That'd be really cool. I'm down for it. I'm in. Who would you play? Me. I think in something like this, I would want to be one of those characters. I would want to be like a very uh, auxiliary character that is somewhere in Kansas and somewhere in Oz. Uh, you know, they did that. Uh, yeah, I don't know who though. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably want to be like the the guy who runs the store in Kansas that they go and buy supplies, and then he ends up being. The guy who runs the castle in Oz or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, just something something kind of minor. This is one of those, like, let the professionals do this one. Okay. You know, this, yeah. this takes a lot of, uh, yeah, takes a different type of actor. But it looks fun. I'd definitely participate. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. I'd be the voice of a rock. Mmm. I could see that. You could be to Belina's be clear, dad. yeah, the voice of a rock, not not the voice of a rock. <laughs> I just want to be clear. You know, Sean, I think you could be the gnome king. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, yeah. I'd get, I'd get to smoke a pipe mm-hmm. and uh, steal resources. All right, uh, let's go into the director's corner. We, we discussed this a little bit earlier. This is a sequel. This is a reboot. It's a C-boot. And I just want to talk about how, how hard it is from a writing perspective, from a directing perspective as well, how hard it is to make a sequel that's successful. And by successful, I guess I mean like it reinvents elements of the original and it also builds upon it. So 
by watching the sequel and makes the whole experience better. And I kind of see, I see there like being like two methods to do this and you can kind of like do a little of, of both, but, but number one is focus on continuing the story and raising the stakes in a big way. And so I think of like from alien to aliens and or the second way is to kind of focus on a major twist to the premise of the first film, like Terminator 1 to Terminator 2. Yeah, and I realize these are both James Cameron movies. I don't know why he's so good at sequels. He just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait for Titanic 2. <laughs> but... Uh, the Queen Mary. Yeah. I mean, this movie, it just, for me at least, it's kind of lacking in, like, the reinvention. It's not, like, twisting the formula. So, like, alien to aliens, you're raising the stakes. Like, oh, it's not just one more alien. You know, it's not just one alien anymore. There's a whole bunch of them. And there's the queen. And you have Newt, which Ridley kind of becomes, Ripley, rather, kind of becomes a, a mother figure, too. Uh... And then there's like the queen is the mother of the aliens versus the mother of Newt, you know, so it's got these interesting dynamics you didn't have in the first movie. I didn't feel like Return to Oz like built on anything like that. It would it would have been interesting to me if if Dorothy had been much older. If she had been like institutional had been institutionalized for like 10 years. Uh, So. Yeah, and even like the the device of like bringing her in for electroshock therapy made me think about Terminator One to Terminator Two, because Sarah Connor is institutionalized. But in terms of like making a major twist in the premise of the first one, you have the villain of the first movie is now like a, a protector and a father figure in Terminator Two. So even like that uh i don't know make it so that dorothy has to help the witches or or something or or like i said oz comes to them rather than they go to oz kind of putting a twist on on what the first movie does it's just it's just really hard to make uh a sequel in general it's hard to make a sequel that surpasses the original there's also like a rarer form of sequel, which is like the Lord of the Rings or like Infinity War one and two, <laughs> where it's just like it just continues the story of the first movie and it's one big story. But those are I don't know. Those are much rarer in terms of making sequels. And it's kind of like they don't you can't watch them as a standalone movie at all. If you don't watch Infinity War part one, like part two is not going to make any sense or if you only watch part one and you're like all right thanos wins at the end it's not like a very fulfilling movie experience unless you're just an evil person who wants half of the universe's population to go away (laughs) and you can watch uh i know you've had this experience you can watch aliens with someone who hasn't seen alien one and they still Mm -hmm. get it they still enjoy it you can watch terminator 2 without seeing T1 and still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with this with this movie, 
it calls back so much to the first time Dorothy went to Oz. And I don't know if you can, I don't know if it makes much sense if you don't know about the 1939 Wizard of Oz movie. Hmm. But like I said, it's, it's, it's difficult, very difficult. Those are my director's thoughts. Do you got any <laughs> thoughts upon that? Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's it's nothing I haven't said yeah. already in our discussion. It seems I I think you you have uh, experienced the issue with the execution of what of how this story was told, um, and I do too a, a little bit. I, I I feel that some of the research about you know about you know like merch being fired and then brought back and then supported by his other directors. It's I think you could you could. Sort of like how people say that Suicide Squad was fucked up with mm. too much too much studio participation there, calling you know shots. It's like you know you guys are suits, you aren't creatives. And on this one, I feel like okay. For example, you know it's this whole other movie at the beginning, you know from from open all the way into uh, arriving at Oz, you know. And as soon as those those lunch pale tree things yeah. are are brought on i felt that was the first it's like okay this is the studio talking and i could be or could be wrong that could have been all merch but uh i saw that and i just remember it's like everything shifts in tone you know like the black and white of the original is sort of like this sepia sepia whatever it is a tone or, or color palette yeah. of the beginning of this film and then things always just seem to get more colorful in oz but we're talking about watercolors, you know, like they're they're a bit toned down. They're uh, they're uh, pastels, yep. you know. They they have less life in them, and something's obviously wrong. Um, but but to 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 finish that point, as soon as I saw those lunch pails, uh, I was I was like, wow, like this is this is the campiness of it. This is the this is like where the studio probably said, all right, you got to put something fun in there for the kids you know and i just thought it was i thought it was very happy mealy uh, but but at the same time like you know be very convenient to go outside and grab your lunch from a tree you yeah know? I, would, um, I would love that it would yeah, maybe it would be the the end of to world hunger i don't know yeah wait wasn't there a scene in the original where they were throwing apples at somebody wasn't that a scene in the original movie well there's the a scene of where uh Dorothy's with the scarecrow and they're hungry and she yeah. goes and picks an apple off an apple tree, but the, the tree comes to That's life right. and is and is like, What how dare you take my apples? Uh so yeah. then the scarecrow starts insulting the tree and yeah. then the tree starts throwing its apples at them. And it's like, right. see, now we got your apple. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what that whole thing was about. Holy shit. Maybe. Uh I didn't yeah, I didn't even think about that until now. Uh so but yeah anything on your thoughts i mean uh i, th I think that's about it is uh i think it, it absolutely warrants a rewatch from you um and and i think it's going to sit with you if i was if i was a betting man i'd say you watched this in the last 48 hours i don't think you watched this days ago no i watched it yeah less than 48 hours ago yeah. So yeah, I would do I would do a, a, a loose rewatch. Actually, I would even be fine if you did a a, a partial watch. It's had it on the background because um, it, it kind of deserves that. Moving into the producer's corner here. This is a this is a film that I would have approached in um, full support of my director, 
but I would have said I would have been. It's so funny. It's actually so ironic because merch made his bones on editing. Yep. And it's and it's the slight one issue I have with it. Just a few minutes towards the final act. I feel like it gets a little disjointed and I probably would have given you know the equivalent of studio notes. I would have simply given editing notes for the cut. And who knows if this is his director's cut or the studio or if he even had final cut. I mean, it'd be nice to, I would definitely watch this with the director's commentary. Uh, I hope that exists. I'll look for that sometime. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would have sort of, you know, just like the, 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 in the weird history notes of whoever the producer was or the person at the studio that stood up in their chair, I would have stood up in my chair with my wallet open and said, uh, do here, take it, do what you want. <laughs> like, this is one of those that I, I support with just sentimental value for the, for what the director wants to do and the story he wants to tell. Um, I, you know, and I guess my other notes would have came from the, you know, again, with like some of the costumes, some of the, some of the production design, just some, some of it, not, not too much. Um, now, as far as like how, I don't think, I mean, the, the, the filmmakers aren't necessarily always thinking like, how do I make this a blockbuster? How do I make it successful? They just want to tell a story and, and, and they get to, you know, it's fun, but yeah. then, you know, you run into budget and you run into, to, to other people in the room, you know, too many, too many cooks in the kitchen moving into the uh, note uh, or the, the research here about the grossing, um, uh, what was a $28 million budget and only made 11.1 mil. I mean, that's, you know, on paper, that's a massive failure, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, wow, as a producer, $28 million to, to tell this story. I mean, again, I would have, I would have bought from Target instead of Walmart on some of the costumes with the, with the budget here. But I, I think the budget was, you know, you could tell that they, uh, I mean, those, the sets were very elaborate, uh, you know, who knows if they shot, you know, overseas and domestic, we don't, we don't know that, that kind of stuff. I would have liked to have seen the, the, uh, the budget on this, the, the line, you know, line by line. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like this a lot and, um, I would have been very, probably more s sentimentally tied to my approach as a producer. And, and I would have definitely uh, been, you know, collaborative uh, on on certain things and been very vocal about any notes I had as far as, you know, what what the magic should be and can be. Uh, but I don't see myself as like saying that um, it needs to tie in exclusively to uh, to the first one. Uh, although I do agree with your note about um, sequels and how you do need to at least know this. Yeah, you need to know the story of part one in or, or the wizard of Oz, you need to watch it yeah to uh to understand this one a little bit more but um i i do like that you know while some of the journeys were similar uh and and uh character arcs you know were similar uh, you got to remember the one thing that's different about this is that it's all it's destruction and it, you know, she's going, it's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of hook a little bit, or maybe hook pulled a little bit from this, you know, uh, Peter, right. Peter Pan. Yeah. Peter is uh, so far removed from his experiences in Neverland. Uh, he's forgotten so much. And Dorothy 
<laughs> will ignore the whole age difference uh, or age gap on on older actress to younger actress. Uh, nonetheless, if Dorothy the character is supposed to be a child, yeah. but the Wizard of Oz age different aside in the actresses and just focusing on the character, I I enjoy the the mission of this story and how it I think that's what motivates and drives the 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 character journey to to find out what happened with this destruction i mean if you if you don't you know sweep your floors dust will accumulate yeah. you know like there's things are going to happen like that so it, you know she's checking in and again back to comparing the whole uh you know peter pan in the spielberg's hook film it's um I guess maybe it's it has to be a personal thing. I, I kind of enjoy that whole revisiting. That is my nostalgia, like that that revisiting to something that you you know once uh, just uh, felt so special about, you know, in particular, or or just memories in general, just like a fascination fascination with memories. Yeah. But uh, it is it is cool to see them sort of want to dismiss. Uh, you know, like if, sure, if it's the same story in terms of I don't know sequences, they sure approach it differently because nobody wanted to take Dorothy to the hospital in the original, right? They they didn't they didn't try to Aunt Em and 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 Uncle whatever his name is didn't try to take you know say you're fucked in the head. Well, they didn't try to take her to a hospital, but she felt like she didn't belong there, and they did. Yeah, and she runs away. Oh jeez, I don't even remember but, that. Yeah, but like. <laughs> And I just thought of this. I, I probably should have said this and how could this be better? Mm-hmm. If like you're saying, like this movie is about Dorothy trying to like find the truth in some way, then I wish other characters in the movie, even like Princess Mombi and other people kind of like told her like that never happened. You never met the wizard. And and that would have given more motivation to like save the scarecrow because maybe she would say like the scarecrow knows I was there with him like he can tell you all of these things happened and and make it a movie about like uh, validating her experience right because then it's not yeah. then it's not the same thing as like oh I need to I just need to get home it would make it different enough in an effective way I think. Uh, fully fully agree i do i do and i think that you know the whole story is actually about reconnecting and she you know she's she's reconnecting with a a real (laughs) to bring star wars back into it it's uh there's a disturbance in the fucking force (laughs) you know and dorothy is like oz is fucked i gotta get back i feel it you know and now i'm forgetting it and that's what this is this this explores the uh the 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 tragedy of like what she feels is wrong in in just in in her in her universe yeah. in her mental you know she's she can't sleep you know like know. she feels it yeah. and they call her with this key you know it's it's really cool how this how this happens it reminds me of quite a few other movies and and hook is very similar to this if you think about it um that I love that movie. We should probably do Hook one day. That's a great one. We've um, both seen, we both it, seen but that. I yeah. like Hook as we well. I like Hook as well. Yeah, yeah. It, apparently it got uh, it got a lot of like 
People didn't like it, supposedly. Really? And I fucking loved it. Yeah, it got it got some it got some flack. Yeah. yeah. I mean Especially I think, with Julia Roberts for some um, reason. Yeah. I liked her. See, I think Hook is the way not only is it hard to do a sequel, it's so hard to do a sequel like, you know, 40, 50 years later or whatever. And and Hook kind <laughs> yeah. Hook kinda had to do that as well. That like idea of like everyone knows the story of the original so how can we put mm-hmm. enough of a spin on it a twist on it mm-hmm. and i think that's good like peter pan doesn't want to be peter pan peter pan doesn't know he's peter pan and then yeah yeah and then it's not just the kids going off to neverland captain hook comes into his world comes into his life takes his children away mm-hmm. yeah and it gets real I, you know, I, I, to, to speak on something you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, to quote our friend, he said we were discussing Superman one time and he said, do you, I think it was Superman. He's we were discussing something. He goes, you can't don't do that to my Superman. That's not my Superman. <laughs> it probably wasn't Superman, but it was it was some it was some some character, some sure. story. And I think you sort of expressed that with this one, you know, go, going off of that, I will say that. It's taken me a while to accept that that sort of concept of, you know, storytellers just doing something a little differently. So to me, with, you know, for Hook, Peter Pan, the gospel has always been the first movie ever made about it, sort of for me. So like with Peter Pan, I remember the Disney, the Disney release, the cartoon, the animation and I, I haven't seen that one in a very, very long time, but I think every kid saw quite a few Disney movies when they were kids. And it's like, it's sort of like with Robin Hood, you know, I always just remember Robin Hood as the, was he a fox or something in the, in the Disney? Yep. And then, then when they did Prince of the Thieves or, or I think that was the, the one with Costner. And then they did one with um, Patrick Stewart, Men in Tights, Men in Tights you know, yep. it's like, it always confused me and that's gotta be my ADD or my, 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 just my dumbassness or ignorance on just films. But like with this, I think your gospel was wizard of Oz. Yeah. And this for sure. interrupted that. And it's, it's just, it's a little jarring for you. Um, and I say that, you know, objectively, not, not, uh, not to criticize your viewing, but yeah. I could see that. And uh, there's plenty of films that have done that for me, but with this one, somehow I accepted it. I was fine with accepting it back then. And, and, and I accept it now and it's, it's great. Um, but I, I love the story it tells to me, there's a story there and, uh, why it may be similar in uh, sequences, I guess, or, or character arcs. Um, it's, it's worth it. I would redo it a little differently though. When we discussed that with yeah. the reboot, uh, so, but ultimately, yeah, I, I, my producer's corner is, uh, you know, Bravo. And uh, I think that's so ties up my producer's corner. Okay. Um, I had some, yeah. I guess, some brief thoughts coming off of what mm-hmm. you talked about. Yeah. Because it, it made me think about a, you said like nobody plans on making a blockbuster. And you said the budget was 26 million, right? According according to this, 28. 28 million. So it made me think of another Mm -hmm. film that came out in 1985 that was a blockbuster. uh, A little movie called Back to the Future. What do you think? Which they had to do. What do you think the budget for that was? I've got it in front of me. Uh, So this is good trivia. Hmm. 
I believe it was lower. I believe it was lower than this. And you had a you had a different experienced filmmaker. Um yeah. I want to say it was lower than this. Yeah. Not but it was correct. Yeah, it was 19 million. 19. Yeah. Yeah, and again, we don't know how accurate these notes are, but I mean, yeah. They were pulled from the internet. <laughs> yeah, cuz I think there's a part of me earlier that said like, well, it was kind of a a no-name cast, but so was Back mm-hmm. to the Future. Mm-hmm. In so many ways. Like no one Ish, no yeah. one was going to see that movie because of who was in the cast, right? Uh, I don't I might disagree with you there, buddy. Christopher was, Lloyd is know, not an A-lister. No, but he, you know, he was in Taxi and and a few other things. He was he was in Clue. I think Clue came out before yeah, that, or maybe that was eighty nine. Really but were- Fox, Fox was he was on TV, and that was big. He was a big draw. But but if you're gonna point out that Stoltz was in the the first sequence of it, yeah. um, I'm with you there. I mean, that's a prime example of how it's like. What did uh What did Mark Hamill say that Harrison Ford said to him when, when uh when Hamill brought up in Star Wars about his hair for for continuity? Oh yeah, <laughs> He's like my hair is a little different. Harrison says uh, it ain't that kind of movie, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I I don't know if my points made you change your opinion, but uh, hmm. Did anyone go to see that for Lloyd? No, I'm just I'm just saying, like, <sighs> for whatever reason, like, and maybe maybe like critics reviews fed a lot into back then whether a movie was successful mm-hmm. or not. But like mm-hmm. that that didn't have an A-list cast. And this doesn't have an A-list cast. Mm-hmm. And that had a lower budget then mm-hmm. return to Oz and they came out in the same year but it's just mm-hmm. uh interesting to me like how different the box office ends up being you know it's it's very demonstrative of the directing capability though too because you know like like these notes say merch is uh, this is all he's ever directed and then this that one-off episode of something you know he but he's primarily an editor it's it's i think i think we may have spoken about this on one of the other pods or maybe just just in in speaking but i mean you know when i read about the the story behind mortal Kombat 95 and then mortal Kombat annihilation the sequel that doesn't deserve to be spoken about they they rushed it and yeah we didn't talk we didn't talk about this i i saw this in a doc they rushed it and they made the director of photography in the first one yeah. the director for the second one and according to the unofficial rules of you know like filmmaking yep. that apparently isn't done so suddenly or the way that they did it with with the original mm. and it felt miserably uh it was awful um but uh, another version of that was, was Mortal Kombat. And then, damn, it was on the tip of my tongue. I mean, th- that has happened. Yeah. But like with with merch, you know, you have, you know, Zemeckis doing Back to the Future, uh, who is just, he's just objectively a more talented director. He's a better and- director. But that also, <laughs> like I said about the cast, I don't think general audiences were going to the movie because of the director either. So I think what mm. it probably comes down to is marketing. 
Because because yeah, I've seen I've seen there. the the original trailers for Back to the Future, and they're they like they're not good. Yeah, but the, they well, were for the eighties for the eighties to get people to show up. Maybe yeah. maybe the trailers for Return to Oz weren't that good, because I think that's really what drew people back then is the trailers, the commercials, uh, you Agreed. know what Roger Ebert had to say about it, uh, what critics thought about it, and Back to the Future was well reviewed. Return to Oz was not, and uh, that's that's what you see in the the results of the box office too. I'm with you there. I totally agree, and I, I think I believe I saw a trailer for this uh, just you know like on the internet to see it, and it, you can tell that what they what they hyped up was not what you saw, and I think that was probably the most jarring. This is the type of film that I could see people in the '80s you know, telling people the water cooler the next weekend, like, don't see it. And people mm. would just listen, you know, this probably got the vocal Rotten Tomatoes uh, from, from, you know, from people. And then people just listened and was like, okay, we're not, yeah. Like, I, oh, you know, some Tommy said it was bad, so we're not going to watch it. And it just, it didn't have a chance. Um, it, it, ahead of its time, eh, maybe a step, maybe. I don't know. But uh, but again, I'm a fan, you know, cult following, and it, it you could tell that uh, it was marketed. It was definitely marketed in a different way than what was presented, which is another sort of betrayal to the consumer, I guess, or to the audience rather. Uh, didn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also like subject matter. Kind of remind me of like House, where I'm like, really, this is for children? Because mm. like, I I would not. I think this would have given me so many nightmares as a kid. Hmm. Uh, if we did these every day, you know, I would ask you, you know, on Friday, be like, so what do you think of it now? Because mm. I, I think it's going to sit with you. I feel like it's going to sit with you a little yeah. bit and you'll think about it. Maybe we can so do a sequel to this episode. Yeah. Return to return to Oz. Questionable questions. I will allow you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> I will allow it. Uh, do you think Dorothy will will ever reveal to her aunt and uncle the girl in the mirror, Ozma? And do you think she needs to? Mm, no, and no. <laughs> Pretty simple. <laughs> I, I I think I, I think actually that that Dorothy knows. That she doesn't have to like she's found faith in herself now mm-hmm yeah and you know uh, self-esteem and confidence and her own dignity i mean all of that just sort of ties into that a little bit i think it'll i think it's sort of she enjoys that it's her secret or that it's her responsibility so to speak uh so yeah i don't think so no and no for me okay I have a second question. Go ahead. Dorothy kills the Gnome King to bring back the emeralds. Is this movie pro-mining? What? <laughs> what the fuck, man? What the fuck, Sean? Is it pro-mining? Uh, hey, this Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh man, you really are a funny guy. I mean, I think there's a, I think there's an interpretation of this where the gnome king is is kind of like bringing up a, an environmentalist 
type of message where the gnome king's saying like i totally agree yeah. with you that that was and that was my line that was my my, my quote exactly. the best quote was he's telling her all this shit that he's got and she goes but she, you have, but so, you have much. so much you have so much like it, it's excess i mean you know that's that's a theme right there of greed and and uh i mean even us as a country and like where we dig for oil and how much of it um we 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 do and nobody knows about yep <laughs> that's that's another thing right there we have so much uh, yeah. And the greed ties into deceit and taking things away. I mean, do you think all those people that turned into stone knew they were about to be turned into stone? They had no warning. They no. just take. And, ha- and how know? come the wheelers weren't turned into stone? Uh, they were part of his. He chose. Yeah, he chose. He chose. Yeah. He just didn't want people to be happy. Oz also seems like this place with just a lot of high people. Everyone's just high the whole time (laughs) what do you do for like where's your lunch break you know it's what's your job i'm a wheeler there's no worries uh all right my question for you what would you have done if you were dorothy in um i guess from i was gonna say it was gonna focus on what would you have done when you arrived to oz yeah we'll start there there might be two questions what would you have done if you were Dorothy when you arrived to Oz, when you, well, when you returned in this when I returned film. to us, um, I don't, I don't think I was as, uh, I don't think I was as brave of, of a child as Dorothy is. So if I had returned to Oz, the first thing I would probably would have done is looked for an adult to ask for help. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously the only one there is, princess mombi so that wouldn't have gone over very well uh so i probably would have been dead within like the first 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> oh my god she would have taken she would have taken my head sean would have just checked i just would have checked out um oh. no i mean i think if if i today like went there i would probably just like just be in awe of of everything going on there i might have joined the wheelers yeah that's probably what i would do conformist if you can't beat them join them yeah right yeah well the other the the other part of the other question was what would you have done as dorothy um after nobody believed you slash you were dropped off at this hospital uh, if, you, if you want to answer that you don't have to i mean i think yeah because as a kid i was like so worried about the repercussions of of disobeying that I probably would have just gone along with everything. Would you have, or would you have escaped? I think I would have sided with what you just said. Very well put, by the way. I, uh, but yeah, there might have been a little rebellion. But after like a lack of of any sort of support yep. from, in, in my move, it's you know it's, it's a kid with a piggy bank. You're only going to save so much. You know it's it's got a it's got a limit. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and and you have to break it (laughs) exactly uh would would i have combed a pumpkin probably (laughs) probably film disturbed you a bit huh good disturbing should have disturbing (laughs) uh one last question Mm -hmm. do you think the popular social media app was named after the character tiktok spelled the same way by the way yeah um, oh, could have been. I mean, it, it was, uh, there's a note somewhere in here 
that it that this was successful overseas. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, it said how it performed well outside the U.S. and has since acquired a cult following. Uh, you know, maybe. I mean, I think TikTok uh, is based or rooted in in Asia somewhere, and maybe that's where it was really popular. Yeah. Uh, although I've never seen. Uh, any references or memes or jokes about TikTok's character anywhere outside of this film. So yeah, I've never even seen a picture of the TikTok character. Yeah, yeah, I do love. Uh, I feel like when we do these, there's always things that are just forgotten, and these are these are two two things I forgot to say. The I love how his instructions are written on the back. You know, I like how um, I will say this. I will argue. I will argue that the here's another great film. The Stallone Judge Dredd. When Armando Sante's character uh, unearths or uncovers one of those big robots that look kind of steampunky. Yeah. It was, um, you know, that was from an earlier story of the the canon of that of that character of that world i would have apparently it was a war that had taken place um you know a few years prior or maybe even like 20 years prior of that future which is so far advanced of our present time Mm. and though that's always what fascinates me is when they sort of uncover like kind of like the enterprise c in next generation coming out in this one episode yep and yesterday's enterprise and it's just i always wondered about the c you know nobody talks about it we just jump from the 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 a to the d and also i was saying that i think that robot in judge dread was it 96 i think or 95 uh stallone's judge red i think that robot was inspired um by this tiktok i think so i want to say it was it's very similar hmm. um so but but i do love the attention to detail on tiktok's design that was really cool um really cool character and oh and the other thing that you know if before we end anything here feruza Balk, major shout out to her she has always been a uh, a unique sort of one of a kind actress. I read somewhere online people were people were trying to uh, they thought that she would have been the perfect um, Har- Harley Quinn. Huh. And yeah, because so for I don't know if you've seen The Craft. Have I have seen, seen The Craft. The craft. I saw it last year. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's she, good. Yeah, Craft really was a good. classic, and Feruza's character in there was major. Um, yeah, Feruza was, you know, she's definitely big in the nineties, but you know, here she is carrying this film has a great look. I thought she played a wonderful different Dorothy. Uh, I was just, I was just a big fan of her performance here and just her in general. Yes. She did a great job with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we, we might want to introduce an opportunity for final thoughts, which we're doing now. Sure. Anything, any last words? I will say that i do i just love the tone and the pacing of this film the introduction the the darkness the the sort of the fear the just this lingering unsettled unsettling just sort of presence of 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 a disturbance uh just everywhere and Mm -hmm. i mean it's pretty frightening to to be a a child or even to take your own child to that sort of a hospital and you're about to get a electro shocked uh it's funny how you mentioned the 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 i guess the nurse i don't know what you want to call her of that hospital being locked up at the end i don't i don't 
I don't understand. I guess somebody found out that she was trying to hurt her and now she's in trouble. I don't think they would have <laughs> cared sure. in 1900 or whatever it was supposed to be. <laughs> like the kids, they had tons of child labor back then. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and it, it shows how Dorothy, like the, the bottom line was the like the labor like the 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 running of the farm they needed dorothy to to stop fucking daydreaming so she could do work probably yeah. and the poor thing you know 1900 whenever that took place you know there's she's in this she's in rural america yep. she's not even in a town saloon or area i don't saloon why is that <laughs> saloon but she's she's not even in like the town you know yep. with five hours to get into town by horse you know another five to get to the whatever you know it's 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 depressing and mm-hmm. i i would you know you you said that you would have what probably died in the first 20 minutes when you got I to probably would have died, died like Kansas. immediately because i yeah i would have like fallen into the sand and died immediately <laughs> oh sean <laughs> yeah yeah no i think i would have died in kansas i don't think i would have made it <laughs> um yeah but yeah it, it's uh, they you know the film was set up well i'm a big fan of it i hope it lingers well in your memory yeah i mean i'll say this i didn't i never i never felt like i hated it i enjoyed a lot of the elements i just don't think the execution was there for me i don't mm-hmm. think the execution was there i don't think they were doing enough difference to fully merit a sequel hmm. uh I think we asked this question before, and I think it's fair. How do you think you would have felt had you seen this sometime in the 90s? I think I would have enjoyed it. Depending on the age, it might have creeped me out. But if I were like 10 or something, maybe I would have liked it. I don't know. Okay. Watching it now, watching it now like, I don't know. There were, it wasn't ever, I felt like there were jokes, but they all landed flat for me. I don't know. Hmm. Cool. Cool. This has been Circle Takes. See you next time. See you next time.